Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Welcome to South Valley. It is a great morning to give God some praise. And we want to say a special congratulations to all of our graduates. Whether or not you graduate from high school, from junior high, or even college, we want to say great job and we are proud of what you have done. And as we come into God's presence this morning, let's lift our voices high and give Him praise and welcome Him into our homes and into our hearts. Come on, church. Here we go. Our God and firm foundation. Our rock, the only solid ground, the nations rise and fall. The young's once strong now shaken, we trust forever in your name, the name of Jesus. Come on. We trust the name of Jesus. Oh, 
praise at home. Clap your hands, make some noise, and raise your voices up as we sing this next song. Sorry. 
want you to focus on these words as you come into God's presence this morning. Let them ring in your heart. This is where our truth should be rooted. Living hope in Jesus Christ, the hope and the light of the world. All of the distractions, all of the things going on that don't matter. What matters is an opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. God sent his son to split all of eternity through the sacrifice of his son on the cross. And that's where our hope needs to be. So we pray that these words penetrate your heart and bring you hope and peace throughout the days to come. Jesus Christ. 
so much truth found in that hope. Lift these words up. Then came the morning. Then came the morning that seal the promise. Come on. Your very body fixed on you and we would be reminded of that precious gift Lord I pray for hearts that need to be drawn close to you Lord I pray for hearts that need to know you and as we enter into a time of hearing your word and being with you Lord I pray that you would continue to work Lord I pray that we would continue to worship you with our whole being Lord and we give you praise of how you work in people's lives Lord we give you praise for bringing students through this past semester on towards that next goal in life of graduating we look forward to the plans you have for them and how they're going to move into a new chapter in their life, Lord. Guide them and give them wisdom as they look forward to how they're going to move, Lord. And again, we exalt you and give you praise and honor you with everything we have, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. South Valley, thank you so much for joining us today on SVCC Online. It is truly a blessing for us to be able to gather in the name of Jesus, even if it is online. And you guys have been so amazing to be able to continue to engage with us over the last couple of months. And it is especially meaningful right now in 
that there are so many turbulent times that are happening in our nation right now and a lot of tension. And I'm not sure about you, but I know for me, moments like this are really special because we've been able to spend a lot of time, I know I've been able to spend a lot of time just processing and thinking about the, the cries of racial injustice and social injustice and where, where, where do we go from here and what do we do as believers, what, what do we do? And personally, um, I don't know if many of you know, but one of the newer developments in my life is that my wife and I, we are expecting our first child in November. And so the lens through which I look at the world is shifting rapidly. And as I think about how I want to encourage and support my daughter um, as she grows up, I'm thinking about how my wife and I can develop a, an environment for her where she can encounter the, the love of Christ and how she can grow to be one who will um, respond to his heart and do so by, by serving others and seeing others uh, as creations of God, as masterpieces, as it says in Ephesians 2.10. And for her, um, as, a, as a young Mexican, Filipino, and African-American uh, young girl, how she can find her identity in Christ. And that's a large responsibility. And as I think about this and as I pray and process through this, uh, the one thing that I keep coming back to is, is building into this in the home and growing her to come to these uh, realizations that she's an image made in, in Christ and that she has the opportunity to encourage and love on each soul that she sees. And so as I, as I enter into this, I think about how we as believers can cultivate environments where others can feel and know the love of Christ and to be known and to be heard and to be seen. And we're in a great opportunity to be able to minister to many hearts in light of what is happening. In just a little bit, we're going to take a moment to pray and just take on a position of prayer to cry out to the Lord, to ask for his hand just to wave across our world and our nation in speaking to the cries that are happening in terms of social and racial injustices. But before the, that moment takes place, we want to just take a moment just to share just a few things. The uh, first thing, as you're aware, we've been regathering, doing a lot of plans for regathering, and so we want to remind you that we're having our next regathering service. 100 people is what it'll be available for this upcoming Sunday, and to sign up for that, you can register online. That will be necessary for that service. You can do so by going to our website or on our social media platforms. Just double check to make sure that you go to the website for that and get that um, submitted so that you can get on there. And if you can't, we will still have the online service available as well. And we'll be having hopefully more regathering services here in the future. And also, we just want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you so much for your ongoing giving. By you doing so, you continue to come alongside the work that God is doing in ministering to many, many people. And so we just want to remind you that you can do so online, svcclamore.org. Click the Donate tab, or you can bring your offering to the church office and uh, just put it right on through the, the door slot there. Um, we are continuing to develop the regathering process. There are a number of ministries that are drafting uh, plans to allow for regathering safely to happen, including um, CR, Celebrate Recovery, and Renewed Thrift Source. So just make sure that you're staying aware of uh, what's happening there. Um, plenty more happening, but right now we're just going to take a moment. I'm going to ask Gilbert to come on out, and we're going to just take a moment just to pray and reflect on what's taking place in our world today. Thank you, Marcus. 
Well, hey, we're in the midst of our Sunday morning worship service and some online and some of you are gathered with us for the first time and we're gathered together as followers of Jesus. And the question that has been on my mind this week is, you know, that classic question, what would Jesus do? Jesus loved, but the people that he loved challenged the status quo, the norms of that society. He challenged the people who thought others should be left out, that really they should be included. And story after story in the gospel shows him as coming alongside people who are drown, downtrodden, people who've lost hope, people who are hurting, people who are suffering, people who have been downgraded, classed as unworthy or shut out, treated unfairly and, and, and unequally. They were called the Amharats, and I've spoken about the Amharats before to South Valley. And so, as followers of Jesus, we come alongside hurting people, and we come alongside to bring them the hope of the gospel and that the kingdom of God would be ushered in through us, a kingdom of love, a kingdom that reflects the heart of God, a kingdom where rivers of righteousness and justice and mercy flow. My comments are not comments about American politics or American policy. But as a pastor, my comments are about how we as followers of Jesus, as Christians, should respond at this moment of protests about racism in America and the inequality that our African-American friends and neighbors experience. And we know there is much pain in our communities. I've never known racism. I've been hated but not because of the color of my skin. I'm white and I'm privileged. And there are things I will never have to endure because of that reality. You know that I lead an organization which works with children living in extreme poverty, and one of the lines that we often quote is, should where you live determine if you live? And we talk about how people are made equal in the image of God, and every human being has equal value, equal worth, equal dignity of equal immeasurable preciousness to God. And so, it makes me ask the question now, should how you live be determined by the color of your skin? And the Holy Scriptures would resoundly answer that with a clear and a loud no. No. This week, as I've watched and witnessed what's happening, I found myself sometimes becoming a bit proud. Pride that, as far as I can believe, there's not a racist bone in my body. But as I've reflected, I must follow the way of Jesus, who challenged me and challenges you to deal with the plank in my own eye before attempting to remove the speck from the eye of someone else. So, I've been asking myself this week some honest and painful questions about my biases, about my prejudiced attitudes, or about the subtle judgments that I might have. And in all that's happening, within our communities, within our nation, 
This is where we start. Self-examination. And then, as I look into my heart, I need to repent and confess of my selfish and my proud sins. And after I do that, then I can look at what's happening, and I can cry with those who cry, and I can mourn with those who mourn, and I can be angry at those who are rioting and looting and committing unacceptable acts of violence. And I can pray and stand alongside my African-American brothers and sisters who wrongly have had to endure systemic racism since the days of slavery. And I can pray with and for the families in our church who even today are knowing the stigma and the pains of racism. And I can also pray for families and members of this church who are peace officers and they're working to uphold the law of the land and they are good men and they are good women and they risk their lives day in, day out to protect us and to serve us and our communities. And they have to deal with many people who don't seek peace, but seek violence. And then after self-examination and after prayer for all people struggling, we can begin to work for justice through means that are just. And that's the walk of the Christian. That's what Jesus would do. So, this morning, we're going to invite you to do what followers of Christ should do, and that is do some of that self-examination and then lift our hands and our hearts to heaven in prayer and ask God to intervene. And I think the right way for us to do this this morning is to actually take the position of kneeling and just on our knees cry out to God. So, if you're at home, then maybe you can do that uh, just where you're at in your kitchen or your lounge, wherever, and Marcus and I here will kneel, and if you're with us in the service, I invite you also just to go to your knees if you can, and let's just do some quiet self-examination, and then I'll pray. So, let's kneel. And as we kneel, just quietly search your hearts. Lord, by your Spirit, shine a light into our hearts as individuals to see the biases that we hold and the selfishness that we have. Reveal to us where we have prejudices, where we think we're better than someone, where we think we're of more worth or even more important to you. Help us see those areas in our lives, God. And then we pray, God, with our hands lifted upwards to heaven, we pray for you to come and to heal our land and to remember justice and to let your kingdom be known a kingdom that will draw men and women of every tribe and every tongue and every color and every race to yourself. A kingdom that is about healing and hope. But a new kingdom. 
a kingdom that requires us to confess that we are sinners and we need your salvation to come, no matter our color or our race. We need your forgiveness and grace and we need your spirit to renew in us clean hearts. So come, we pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We cry out to you, God, for peace and for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Eugene Peterson, in his translation of the Bible, takes a verse from John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10, referring to Jesus, and he translates it, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Wow. And Jesus walked the streets of our planet, and He breathed the same air, and He did it all with skin on. And maybe if we take a closer look at Him, maybe if we follow the dust of our rabbi, maybe if we read His Word and listen to His teachings and watch the Gospels, maybe the remaining 4,000 239 hours of 2020, this strange and challenging year, might be lived very differently. Maybe we will learn how to live each day, each hour, each minute, mastering the art of living. Maybe Jesus was the master liver. My friend, your friend, Pastor Frank, uh, he tells stories of how he can fix engines and tractors and machines, and he, he's gifted with the ability to hear the engine and know the problem. He's a master mechanic. I'm not. Like, if I lift the hood of a car and the engine's missing, I got it. But beyond that, I ain't a master mechanic. My grandpa, W.P., as he was known, I saw him take some wood, and with his tools and skills, he fills the empty space with wonderfully crafted furniture. He was a master carpenter. My good friend Edith, we sit at her dining table and we eat a wonderful gourmet meal and we groan at how full our bellies are. And then she walks in with a killer dessert and somehow we still have room for something sweet. She's a master chef. For golfers out there who play the game we Scots invented, 72 holes, the hardest course, what do we call it? The masters. Now lift your focus, fix your gaze in a better direction, and begin to watch and begin to learn from Jesus, the master liver. And if there is a time when we need to figure out how to master the art of living. It's in a year like 2020. 
so challenging. Holding the real possibilities, 2020 is holding the real possibilities that life is being sucked out of us rather than flowing through us. And those words that Jesus said in John 10 verse 10 about eternal life, more life than you've ever dreamed of, could feel like a very distant dream and certainly not reality. I know one person who began to follow the way of Jesus to find life. It was his brother, well, actually his half-brother, for obvious reasons, Jesus was born of a virgin, but his name is James, and was one of Jesus' younger brothers, James watched, he listened, he learned. James was later nicknamed James the Just. Eusebius, the second century historian, records he was given that name, James the Just, because of his excess of righteousness, his living rightly. He did that well, and he learned it from his brother, Jesus, the master liver. But what's intriguing is, to begin with, James didn't think that Jesus was a master at anything. James wasn't a follower. James wasn't a believer in his older brother being the Messiah, the Savior, God incarnate. I mean, <laughs> can, can you imagine the kind of conversations that maybe they had as they slept over or they were in their bedrooms together? Or imagine the first day that James brought his girlfriend home to introduce to the family, oh yes, uh, yes, and, and this is my handsome, clever, charismatic older brother, Jesus. And yeah, uh, he also thinks he's God. But beneath his skepticism was intrigue. He watched. He listened. And after Jesus died and then rose again, the Easter experience, James believed. And a few years later, most scholars think 10 to 15 years later, James writes a book that's now in the New Testament about how to live well, about how to master the art of living. And here's what confirms to me that he was intrigued by his brother, even while he didn't follow or believe who his brother was, because in the book that he then goes on to write, he references or he alludes to the sermon that Jesus taught, the Sermon on the Mount, and he alludes to it over 35 times. I can see Jesus sitting up in the mountain with his followers, teaching them how to love, how to have wisdom, and James is standing off to the side. He's curious, he's doubting, but he's still listening. And then one day, he gets it. He sees Jesus for who He really is, the Son of God, the giver of life, the master of life, and life is never the same when you see Jesus like that. And so, listen to how He starts writing about how faith in Jesus Christ can make you a master of living. James chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And if I just read it very briefly, the first couple of verses, it says these words, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. The translation of the message, Eugene Peterson says it, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Here is deep and living wisdom on display, and maybe he watched the master of life himself, and he's only putting into words what he watched Jesus live. People, we need to engage with God's Word here. It says, when tests and challenges come, consider it pure joy. This is the incredible, remarkable Word of God. Recently, I reread about a theory suggested by a, a psychologist named Albert Ellis, and it's called the ABCs of Emotional Life. And it's a model or a formula for understanding how people respond to circumstances in the way that we do. So, the ABCs, the A stands for the word antecedent. So, these are the things that happened to us, a preceding event. This is my circumstances or my situation. That's the A. Now, the C stands for the outcome or the word consequences. This is how I feel about something. This is the way that I respond. And now Ellis says that the great illusion in life is that the things that happen to me, my circumstances, control my outcome. He says that's an illusion. It's an illusion that my circumstances dictate what I feel so that if a good thing happens to me, if I get a promotion or a raise or it's a nice day or somebody pays me a compliment, then I feel good. But if something bad happens to me, I have poor health or I lose my job or my spouse or I lose months due to COVID and life takes a, takes a turn south and life becomes difficult, I'm at the mercy of my circumstances. And he says, no, that's an illusion. And Ellis suggests that in between the antecedents and the consequences, the letter B stands for my beliefs about what happened to me. It is my beliefs about what happened to me that ultimately determine the outcome. It is my beliefs that determine the way that I feel. Now, this is why two different people can be in precisely the same situation, can experience identical circumstances, and yet have polar opposite responses to it, because where they differ is in their beliefs. And this, for example, is the difference between cats and dogs. Like a dog looks at his circumstances and says, you feed me, you pet me, you shelter me, you care for me, you must be God. And a cat says, you feed me, you pet me, you shelter me, you care for me, I must be God. Same circumstances, different beliefs. 
Uh, I haven't done any COVID jokes ever, okay? But I got one for you this morning just to take a go at my favorite animal, the cat, okay? And here on the screen is my joke about a cat, okay? New study confirms cats can't spread COVID, but would have given the option. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for all you cat lovers out there, okay? Maybe James is suggesting that following Jesus, which is a belief position, a faith practice, maybe James is suggesting that following Jesus, that belief, can determine the way you feel even in the toughest of circumstances. Maybe it can even make you feel joy when life stinks, even as you face your hardest trial, the hardest of things, something new can happen inside of you because of what you have learned from following the way of the master of life himself, Jesus. Something different can happen because of what you believe. I mean, is this truth? James addresses his letter to the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations, chapter 1, verse 1. That's Bible talk for the early Jewish Christians who were literally tossed from city to city in the then world. They were persecuted in Jerusalem, and so they fled into Judea and Samaria. And then they were persecuted in Judea and Samaria, and so they fled to the cities around the Mediterranean Sea. But there they were turned on by the Gentiles, the pagans in those cities, and the early Christians became homeless. They were robbed of their possessions. They were hauled into court. They became religious and social and economic pariah. They were undesirables, and in a culture ruled by shame and honor, they were shamed. And the first thing, the first thing that James says to them is, consider your trials as joy. We must be missing something because this is just plain weird. What, can, what are we missing? Mastering the art of living. We're going to talk about that for the next several weeks as we unpack it together. Let me ask a basic question. When do you do your living? <laughs> it's not a trick question, okay? Do you live yesterday? Do you live tomorrow? Or do you do your living today, now, this minute? And this is the trouble with trouble. It causes us to push the pause button on living. When we are hit by trials or by difficulties, we stop living and we say to ourselves, when I come through this test or this hard time or when this suffering's over or when this hurt is gone or when this crisis is over, when that's over, then I'll start living again. And what James is saying is 
you're going to miss so much of your life if you go through life with that kind of thinking. Rather, you master the art of living when you bring your faith and your God into your troubles, into your trials, and into your pain. So, so many people live in the past. There was a hasty decision, or there was a moment's passion, or there was a wrong choice, or, or a prideful, stubborn instance, and, and, and they are living today determined and controlled by yesterday's screw-ups. And some people live waiting for tomorrow. It's all on pause until this happens, or we move here, or we get that posting, or we finish this degree, or we pay off our debt. But life is now, today, this moment. How much of life have you missed? How much of today is actually yesterday? James had listened to his bigger brother, Jesus, and James had seen him be the master of life. And as he looks now at people struggling and beaten up and facing tough times, he says, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you truly have faith in Him, there is a way to live where even in your darkest, hardest moments, you can still be alive, be fully present. Whatever your circumstances, seize the day. <laughs> can any of you remember Dead Poets Society? <laughs> I was thinking about that as I was writing this message, and I ended up watching the whole movie just the other day there. Sermon preparation, just so you know, okay? But uh, facing his new group of high school students, Robin Williams, who plays the English poetry teacher, Mr. Keats, he tells them that they are all food for worms. In other words, he tells the students, one day we're all going to die. And then he marches the students out of their classroom to the hallway where there's pictures of all the past students, long dead and buried. And he invites the boys to lean in and to listen real close, and you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. And, and he gets the boys to lean in towards the old photographs. Lean in, boys. Listen. Do you hear it? And then he begins to whisper. Carpe. Hear it? Carpe. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Make your lives extraordinary. And he quotes Theroux, who says, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. Don't be resigned to that. Listen to the words of Jesus. Lean in, friends. Lean in. Can you hear the whisper? Lean in. Do you hear him say, seize the day, carpe diem? And when we don't seize the day, when we don't grab every moment, we're saying, God, you're not in this moment. You must be out for lunch. When we don't seize every moment, we're not mastering the art of living. We've stopped following the master of life. 
So James goes deep. He redefines reality. Your belief should determine the way you feel, not your circumstances. And if you live in every moment, you will not lack anything. And we're going to visit that comment in a future preach. Now says James, let me tell you how to make your faith work as I come to the end of preach number one. And next week, Pastor Frank will then preach, and then I'm going to take it for three more weeks in a row to keep unpacking, mastering the art of living. But look at James chapter one now, verses five to eight. And from verses five to eight, we're going to discover that the mind is the primary place where you master the art of living. James says, to master the art of living, to live present in every circumstance and not allow your life to be hit with the pause button, your thinking, not just your behavior, needs modified. James says, verse 1, verse 5, if, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. If you lack wisdom, ask God. Now, wisdom is not just knowing a lot. That's called knowledge. You can have loads of knowledge but not have wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply what you know. So, you know that trials of various kinds will hit you. You know this, that's knowledge. But God is waiting to give you wisdom to apply what you know. Wisdom is learning how to live the truth, changing your thinking to live life the way the master of life lived it. You see, too often when something hard hits us, we say to God, why me, God? God, God, get me out of this. And James is inviting us to use our minds and to pray differently. God, give me the wisdom to live the truth of you in my suffering. Christ, be with me in these circumstances. But then James adds one condition. Look at verse 6. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. And he goes on to describe the person who doubts as someone who is double-minded, a doubter, a double-minded person is someone who has not yet fully made up his mind or her mind if they really want to live by the faith principle, if they really want to follow the way of Jesus. One day we might want to, but the next day we might want to just do life the way of our colleagues or the way of our neighbors. The doubter is someone who has not got a single unwavering commitment to God. Now, James here is quoting the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, the pure in heart shall see God. This is a similar thought. 
James describes this doubter, this double-minded person, as somebody who's like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, someone whose direction in life will change depending on, on, on how the wind is blowing. And so, James is saying, it's not just about being in the present, doing life with God, whatever your circumstances. It is also about being clear what your life is about. And if you are clear and firm and sure that your life is about following Jesus, the wisdom to live that out is only a prayer away. And while I am not perfect, <laughs> and while I struggle trying to be holy, <laughs> and while there are so many of the teachings of Jesus that I don't really always follow through very well on, <laughs> and while I could do oh so much better, the one thing I know is this. I wake up every single day, and I have an unwavering commitment to seeing God's kingdom come for the gospel to be outward. I have a single determined focus to seize each day to live out following the way of Jesus and knowing that real eternal life that He came to give, more and better life than I ever dreamed of. I am not perfect, but I am devoted to His kingdom coming and His will being done. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the day for the gospel to be outworked in your life. Make that your commitment. And when you make that your commitment, wisdom to live that out is only a prayer away. <laughs> Here ends the first lesson on how to master the art of living. Let's pray. Oh God, give us a bigger vision of what living your life looks like. Give us a bigger vision that it consumes us and that every single day we make a clear unwavering commitment to live it out. And if that's our focus, you have said in your word that you will give us the wisdom that even when the hardest trials hit us, we will still know joy in the midst of our circumstances. This is a different way of life. This is eternal life. This is what we desire. Come and birth that within us through your Spirit and by your Word. In Christ's name, amen. See you in two weeks. <laughs>